And I'm here with Kennedy Cooper, the first white Afro-pessimist. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. Am I allowed to put that in my Twitter bio? I don't think I you am. You are allowed to put oh, that in your Twitter bio. <laughs> no, okay. Um, you've just been beating me. You have to personally, if I'm going to do that, you would have to personally agree to battle every reply guy that's going to show up <laughs> and try to cancel me for it, though. Oh, listen, we should probably save our strength for different things, but you have just come out a lot stronger than like some of our like more domesticated people on these subjects uh, the last few weeks. And it's been surprising to see. Listen, like, without getting any of y'all into trouble. What? We've all, black people have got to have, like, more fucking unity. Like, we just love to fucking rip each other down over, like, complete nonsense. Like, over promotions. Like, I think there's a lot of psychic frustration at, like, when you're at the mid to top level and you're trying to get to the top level in the big boy room. And it drives you crazy. And I think there's a lot of women that have worked hard and, like, and imagine how good you've got to be as a black person to be in the room next to the big boy room like you clearly deserve to be in the big boy room if you're black and you're that close to the top like even people who objectively fucking suck like charlotte climber has to be has to have, have have at some level a degree of talent at their job simply to have climbed that high sure um, there must be something they're doing that's of use to someone um yeah so it, but, but, but knowing that there's stuff that keeps you from getting to that top level drives you to resentment and it's resentment that's almost usually driven at the most convenient target, which is people that don't have the means to defend themselves. And that sucks. We talk about, like, I've talked about fucking bad takes in this fucking left wing Twitter sphere for a fucking, uh, all month. And if you've listened to our show, like, we're probably closer to the fucking right wing of the left on this issue. But it's not because, like, we're getting paid because we're not. It's just, like, all of us do local fucking organizing. And we see issues that we're surrounded with all the time. That, like, ten people who gave a shit could, like, improve this issue. Kennedy, you often talk about the Libertarian Party in New Mexico. And how with, hey, with a handful <laughs> of people who gave a shit, I could take over the Libertarian Party in New Mexico. Well, and I think the people who often, like, want to just poo-poo the idea of just, like, getting these, like, small things done, I just am going to be honest, most of y'all that I've interacted with that have that mentality are from a, a middle-class-ish background and have not known a ton of struggle. You went to school, including college, you didn't worry too much about how college was paid for, maybe you ended up with some debt, but you're not, like, struggling super hard, you got an okay job, and, like, you just haven't experienced poverty. And you probably think that, like, you kind of know what poverty is about, but you just don't. And I think that, like, when you have, when you're in that spot, you kind of tend to think of all of Americans as being in that sort of low level of comfort that you're at that is realistically often kind of uncomfortable. I'm not trying to make your life sound more glamorous than it is, folks. But it's, there's still like a level of comfort and security that a lot of people have that uh, someone like me and someone like Brandon and I mean, April, I mean, you've fled your home. You don't even know what kind of support you'll ever have in the future <laughs> from anyone yeah. in your family. I like kind of went from all the way up at the top to all the way down at the bottom in terms of familial support. So I've, I've run the gamut. I know what both ends are like.
Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, for people like us, there haven't been opportunities just kind of handed out in the same way. And it's just a lot more serious. And these ability to just solve a small issue, I mean, this is life or death sometimes. Right. And that sounds like a little condescending, but it's not like being said out of rudeness or whatever. It's just like, hey, come learn from this. Also, I really feel like at this point, like, the poor have to assert themselves somewhat. We get condescended to all the time and, and told things are this way or that way, even about, like, issues that we obviously know better because this is our own lived experience. So at this point, like, I honestly think some of y'all leftists on Twitter who have not experienced extreme poverty need to sit down and take your talking to. But let me take this at an angle because Brianna Joy Gray has been just yelling force the vote, force the vote, force vote for like the last month and of course she's an incredibly articulate spokesperson and she's completely in the wrong not that it's gonna kill anybody but like she's a journalist and she's doing something that's ultimately kind of a waste of space and energy but however i have not said this on twitter i have not like quoted this for a dunk i've not been in her replies i'm not gonna like be attacking her on twitter for fucking meme points because i fucking like her and i was and i respect her and if somebody listens to a criticism and we were on here talking about how listen you guys are memeing all of this is online online shit if it's memeing and it's offline shit and it doesn't have a lot of relevance to what regular people are doing she heard that criticism and said okay i will set up a slack we're gonna meet online and we're gonna meet offline she started doing stuff in the dc area so those criticisms that were initially made because like she's a phenomenal person she's directly addressing so what's gonna happen is in two years either that side will have learned something or our side will have learned something or maybe a little bit of both we don't know yet but the whole point of this is that we're not like ripping each other apart over differences in tactics when it's really more important that we're working in a cohesive way People often get frustrated with the idea of like a criticism based process, but isn't this like the best version of events in a lot of ways where like the criticism gets out there, it gets aired, it gets heard, and then the people organizing the thing go, okay, yeah, maybe you do have a point about what kinds of work are going to make this viable. Yeah, and listen, this is, th I think this entire discussion, even though, like, boy, Jimmy Dore starting the discussion, roll your eyes, however, hasn't this, you're right, hasn't this been very constructive? Because Ilhan Omar has definitely modified her language to be a little bit more in support of holding her vote up for Pelosi. So is Rashida Tlaib. And clearly, Brianna has heard the criticisms of, you guys should actually take people's temperature in real life before advocating this policy and she hasn't like said oh that's a good point because she's like a really good propagandist and she doesn't say it's propaganda but uh <laughs> but she but like no but she's but but the fact that she set up that facebook group and the slack group is the most good faith way to take that criticism yeah, I mean, isn't this literally what we said like an episode or two ago about this issue was like that what you need to do to make this work is also do enough on the ground education of people to provoke that level of agitation that you're seeking. Yeah. So if you're into that, I've seen like what's been happening the last week. I found it very productive just from a process standpoint. So, hey, you guys go do your thing. And if it works out, it works out. I'm not going to be fucking upset at somebody advocating for people to get fucking medicine because we fucking all got health issues and shit. And fucking our friend just got fucking smashed up in the fucking hospital. And he's yeah. fucking writing essays about it now. 
Yeah, no kidding. So, I don't know. Let's not talk about this too much, though. This issue is right. played well, listen, out. Especially by money, the time please. this episode comes out. Yeah, this will oh, be let's like... Pick a, let's pick another topic that'll be yeah. dead by the time this no, episode comes it's out. it's fine. Mitch better no. have my money. Listen, uh. the, because the, the core issue is we're anxious about our fucking money. And that will not change regardless of whether they send 600 or 1200 or 2000 Like, we're all fucking on the edge right now. If they said 20k, I would just barely feel like I wasn't drowning. Yo! Like, seriously? <laughs> like... <laughs> because it should have been 2k a month since the shit began. So 20k yeah. now would be reasonable. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Like, we need, we need some kind of retroactive, like, shit so that people can, like, get in stable housing and stuff. Like, I don't even know what to say at this point. It's ridiculous. I'm watching, I'm watching people that I know on Twitter literally go homeless. It's fucking horrifying. We have to talk about this Rebecca Parson, who's facing housing issues herself, is out fucking in the streets occupying housing. Can you imagine if her district had given her like 15 extra points or whatever, and she'd been in the United States fucking Congress? You guys fucking boohooing about house policy procedures? Because you gotta remember, like, when you do shit like this that confronts the police and makes their fucking day worse, like, they will fuck your fucking life up. Legally. Yeah, yeah. Just on their free time we'll just be yeah. like all right fucking fuck that person's life up. and for a person that's fucking housing insecure to do that kind of work are you fucking kidding me like that's crazy and i've taken on a lot of shit that i don't need to take on and added a lot of fucking stress to my life and if i was in that position i would not do that work and obviously, like, I got family and shit. Like, it's a di slightly different situation from that standpoint. But holy shit. If the, if the people of her district don't beg her to run again, I'm going to be begging her to move here, run in my yes. district. <laughs> Yo. I think she, she was one of our first uh, congressional guests, wasn't she? Yes, she was. She was, like, I think our, yes, our first candidate who was a guest. And, um... Our first congressional candidate that was a guest, yeah. And Rebecca was basically like, for people who don't know, was basically like the opening, the open sesame for everyone on the left because she has so much fucking credibility because she does real shit like this. So when we were to sell, tell anybody else, yeah, Rebecca Parsons been on, they were like, okay, they're cool. We say no more. <laughs> that was literally <laughs> how we got all these interviews this year. Um, yeah, it's she's pretty been wild. great, but we all, literally all of us need the money. Yeah. I'd imagine millions of other Americans also need the money. There is nobody listening to this who does not desperately need $2,000. And if you don't, and you are not a patron, and you do not at least give us $100 a month, then fuck you. You're listening to this. <laughs> you're listening to this, and you're balling like that, and you're not sliding. And if you know me, and you know how much I'm doing, you're not sliding me a little money under the table. Shout out to the people who have, like, you know, done some cool things. But you're not one of those people. Fuck you, buddy. Get a grip. Also, listen, the economy's in shambles, so there's no argument against this, really. Because, yeah. first of all, this is our, our tax money that we're refunding. You gotta keep that in mind, first and foremost. This isn't, like, magic money that's being pulled out of some government stash that, uh, you know, that doesn't belong to us or something. Like, this is, this is just tax money, and it's just being refunded to us because a lot of people, a lot of corporations pay into taxes, and we can pay some of that money back out direct to people in the form 
form of stimulus to help the economy. I'm literally making a capitalist argument right now. Like, if you are against what I'm saying, like, you do, you have no sense at all because, like, you can't even argue against anything that I'm saying or about to say from even a capitalist, a pure capitalist perspective because here's what the stimulus will do. And here's especially what, like, a continued stimulus would do. For the people most desperate, it would keep them in housing, keep them fed, keep them from struggling in a time of unprecedented economic anxiety. For the people who you're worried about who are maybe a little like they're borderline like they're not necessarily gonna lose their housing but they're kind of struggling which is kind of like a me situation like I'm probably yeah. not gonna lose my housing but like I'm realistically also just barely getting by for the most part like it's gonna allow me to maybe save a little money and uh, you know use that for good things or work you know do like take care of things that I need to get taken care of and for the people that you know are absolutely just balling and can just do whatever with it then they're gonna be using that to do what? Stimulate the economy you dumbasses right. like just give the money back to the people so that the economy starts functioning because what makes an economy function is basic level purchasing is people going to the store there was a a senator a republican senator the name of which i probably forgot but he has one of those republican senator names that's really stupid but he was arguing uh on the floor of the house on the floor of the senate against uh 2k stimulus because people would according to him just spend it on paying down their credit card bill and buying things from walmart and amazon do you understand what the economy is do you understand how yeah. money changes hands and how this whole fucking bullshit scheme works this is like Kennedy said, the stimulus is to stimulate the economy. And I guess this guy is mad that people aren't uh, doing what his friends do and immediately tucking it into uh, an investment account, a hedge fund that bets against the, de uh, the NASDAQ or whatever. Yeah. Can I just take this in a slightly different direction? Kennedy Puffy was, I think, on Clubhouse. And he said that 2020, if 2020 didn't bring out the dog in you, then the dog ain't in you. And, mm -hmm. um, like, the black people have been arguing back and forth over how valid is that of a statement. And, um, did 2020 bring out the dog in you, Kennedy? Hmm. I mean, not, I mean, th uh, dropping out of college brought out the dog in me. That was a long time Let's ago. Let's go. <laughs> 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 like, nice. I, I've been, I've been, like, a, a perennial side hustler since then and just doing everything, you know, learn, teaching myself skills and stuff since then because I had to just to, to survive, you know, uh, and, like, yeah. make it anywhere. I mean, when you can't afford to keep going to college and you're poor and like you don't have like any support really like to speak of that's that significant like you got to do a lot so it's it's been a long time for me and i think for a lot of poor folks it's been that way like i think the people that were most shocked this year were really like a lot of the shreds of the quote-unquote middle class you know the people that thought they were gonna get to keep hanging on to that and now they're just like uh-oh i really don't know so, I, I mean, sure, it's going to bring it out in some people, but I think April, for a lot of people, I think a lot of people were already struggling so much that, like, yeah, yeah. April, tell me what you think about this. Like, what at 2020, do you feel like it brought anything out of you? Well, I feel like my 2020, and I mean that in sort of a cultural, psychological 2020, yeah. really began when my parents kicked me out and stopped paying for college, and then I was going to be homeless, and then like a whole series of events happened that I've gone into before. Um, and out of necessity, it brought a lot of things out of me, uh, and I'm kind of proud of the drive that I exhibited. It took about seven or eight months to actually fight the federal bureaucracy into giving me the documents that I need to do legal work. 
And then almost as soon as I got that, I got into doing work. I got with a, um, as a and, and I've talked about this gig before, with phone banking for a legal weed initiative in Montana that I passed, by the way. My record stands at three for three. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think I didn't have agency for a hell of a lot of my life. And I didn't have the space mm. to enact my own desires and to show that drive. And I was more or less thrown into the deep end. And I think I'm proud of how I've handled everything. And I don't think I would have asked for a year like 2020. And I certainly don't want another year of it. But I think I, think I handled it as about as well as I could have. But, you know, like, all of us are, like, extremely enterprising people. Like, we're all, like, have a high work ethic and a high drive. And, you know, everybody thinks, you know, you're on Twitter and you're talking about political issues and you're like, oh, left-wing people are fucking lazy. And it's like, let me tell you, goddamn. Because all of us fucking work for fucking 20 fucking hours a fucking day like all of us are doing like this show and doing fucking local shit trying to improve our own fucking neighborhoods and taking care of other people in our households and families and shit like we're all just all day every day and um despite the fact that like we're doing all that and we have and we've all read the same fucking motivational bullshit that like you know everybody else reads but uh like you shouldn't have to do all that in order to live like that's crazy like that should not be considered because all of us work like to a wild degree more than any human being should be expected to live and none of us are fucking rich off of it either like that can't be like the standard for human life like if every (laughs) human being were to work as hard as we worked that would be hell on earth, man. Like, we are people who are working hard so other people in our family and our friends don't have to work as hard as we're working. You know what I mean? Like, ultimately, yeah, like, we're working to take the load off of other people. So other people, by all means, come help us. But everybody can't be on this standard at all times. It would That's kill not sustainable. you. Yeah, it's crazy. You can work at it for a certain amount of time, but just, yeah, it hurts. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my goal is just to, like, work hard enough while I can, and especially with like having chronic health conditions it's really hard to know what that means sometimes you have crohn's disease (laughs) like it's like you are literally one of the hardest working people i've freaking ever met and like and sometimes when like in the first few months we met i forgot that you had it because you never you don't complain about it and it would be the first thing I said whenever anybody was fucking mad at me. I'd be like, leave me the fuck alone, dude. My, my fucking stomach's on fire as we speak. No, I rarely I rarely play that card. I will say on Twitter like a week ago, someone was like, I, I made a joke about force the vote. And someone was like, don't minimize health care. This is a serious issue. And I was like, don't woke scold me about health care. I have a fucking chronic illness. Yeah. And I've been organizing for health care since way before you gave a shit. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Good Lord. Like back when back when there was like one Medicare for all bill and it was on a little shitty GeoCities looking website back in the fucking Daily Coast era. I don't do all this shit because this is fucking nerd shit to fucking talk about. It's not useful, but like all of us have cared about that for a long ass time. I wanted Mike Gravel in 2008 because he was the healthcare guy. We've been having healthcare. Do y'all remember this? Yes, I we remember. But but anyway. listen, what are some what are some odd jobs that y'all have had? 
Oh. Because I want to talk about our, our work ethics. <laughs> and I think that's a, good, that's a good place to kind of steer off and have a fun conversation. The list for me is so long. And like, honestly, like I know if I try to list them all off, people will think that you're I, being I'm like, fucking I'm, I'm, bragging. I'm making some shit up or bragging or they'll think that I'm fucking flaky. But you got to understand that like a lot of this was like working two and three and four jobs at a time kind of stuff. So, yeah, if you think I'm making it sound anything sound overly glamorous, I'm, I assure you I'm not. And also, if you think I'm sounding overly like I was just flaking out on people. No, I was just literally just like piecing together the best income I could from like as many sources as it took. Hey, Kennedy, I want to posit a theory, and you tell me how true this is. This is how we came together politically, because both of us have lived in poverty, and both of us have had to adopt magical thinking as a survival mechanism. Yeah, and we're the rise and grind socialists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny, it's funny because it's obviously slowly rubbing off on the people that we work with to some extent too. Right. Like April, you have obviously been getting more and more into this mentality. April is a very anti, like, <laughs> is the most anti-work person we've ever met. April. <laughs> I mean, but, I, but I, and we're still slowly like, getting her to like think about the rise and grind. And literally, you could not have started with a blanker canvas of "I do not want to do anything." Yeah, <laughs> I, I will admit, I do intentionally try to do the least amount of work that I can get away with doing. That still is like good work. Yes. And I think we've all done that. But you, obviously, I mean, you haul ass when need be. Like, you're a Zoomer, too. What are some Zoomer odd jobs that are even available in 2021? Oh, jeez. I mean, I don't know. And I, I would like to say that I think I am very inventive when it comes to making up ways that I can do less work. Like when we're talking about that um that phone banking job, we had a day where we would text, uh, we were doing texting and it was on the computer and you had to manually press the enter key for 1500 texts in order to send them to- Oh, you were working on, on Spoke? List. Were you using Spoke? Um, it was, um, I forget the exact system. I think it was, through, it was through text. Okay. okay. And so yeah, yeah. I took about, I took about yeah. five minutes. I made a macro that just pressed enter a bunch of fucking times. And then I was done with that in two, in 10 minutes instead of everybody else who was done with it in like 40 minutes. And the work, the work did get done, but I just, I just made it easier for myself. So in terms of Zoom or odd jobs, customer service phone banking is always there. Even if like, the election campaigns have ended um just being able to do customer service work from home is um is a big thing i i see a lot of openings for that i haven't actually worked in customer service customer service and i imagine that like the phone banking and the people that were managing it were much less hard asses on the call staff than there would be in like a real calling center place but it's it's there and it's work from home you can do it at your desk you can do it in bed i did a number of shifts in bed just with my microphone positioned like on the end table reading out the script and it's there the only other 
odd job or really job apart from this podcast that I've done is um, I TA for a philosophy class uh, for a summer philosophy class for middle schoolers and that was actually really fun and I is you know I, I assume there's not going to be many more summer classes uh, especially if COVID is still rampaging through and we don't want to really keep people together too much but it was it was a fun experience and I wait i know what do you mean you should be bragging about this twitter loves teachers what are you doing <laughs> tell uh, us about I, why did you how did you how did you get into that what happened so um the program that i got into college two years early on also runs summer classes for middle schoolers and so i signed up for one of those as an as a way to get some money over the summer and it was april it was, yeah. April. Add school teacher to your Twitter biography. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, just educator. educator. That's a word yeah. that have, any, anybody can say. I have educated say. people. School school teacher sounds so much like trust them with your kids, like yeah. lovable. But educator <laughs> educator is a little more grown up. Listen, you pick yeah. the branding that you want. But no, do you realize that's a vital even if you only do it for a year, that's a fucking vital role in a child's life. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I really like doing the work. If I were ever to teach, and it's something that I've considered, I've considered going into like academia. Uh, I don't want to teach elementary schoolers and below because that just seems like a nightmare. Middle school is when they're beginning to care about what they're being taught. Uh, high school is a bit of a dip as they care less. And then college is great because everybody either cares immensely or they won't bother you about it because they don't care that much. But the funny story um, is I was the teacher's assistant, one of them. We were supposed to take the kids out to the Seattle Aquarium to, I, I don't even remember. I, I don't think it was to do with philosophy whatsoever. We just had, uh, we just had a little worksheet uh, that we were supposed to take down uh, answers about fish on and i was like hey kids i had about three or four kids under my charge don't you think this is kind of boring what if we speed ran this and went up to the pike place market which is just like a few streets away and we poked around and got lunch that wasn't from a cafeteria and we did cool things and as a middle schooler uh, who is being invited to shirk their duties would often do they said yes and i had a i had a really fun time one of my favorite shirts that I have ever owned came from that and it is awful. It is a I bought it outside of the aquarium and it has Mario <laughs> and he's high and it says uh it says weed but instead of instead of the e's there's an i. There are two i's and it's in the wee font. And that was so awful that I had to buy that instantly. And that's not it's not to say that I didn't teach these kids life lessons instead of teaching them about fish. Like I I gave them very important life lessons about how to lie competently and how to not trust police officers and the government. I did a very good service for these children. This this is reminding me a little bit of the one and only time I was asked to come back to my old high school and speak. Mm. Um, to some seniors, and I gave a really a wild speech. Just uh, I was just like, what'd you basically, say? I, I I basically just encouraged everyone to experiment with drugs and sexuality after high school and 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 live their best life. Fantastic. Was this while you were in religious life? Uh, yeah, I kind of yeah. <laughs> Getting you in the extra in the extra trouble. I got gotcha. you. Uh, well, the I mean, the religious part wouldn't matter for that. Oh, okay. I always tell y'all I was in a very, I was in a very, you know, 
relatively progressive religion. Like, if most of y'all who have only had experience with, like, shitty churches went to, like, a really good Quaker meeting, you would be like, I'm going here for the rest of my life, probably. But if you got involved in, like, the national level organizing of that shit like I did, especially because, like, it made a lot of sense at a time because it conjoined with other kinds of organizing I was doing. But anyway, let's that whole aside. Brandon, I wanted to ask you about something, though, that I know that I have some interesting things I can say about this. I'm hoping that you do too I bet you do because anybody who grew up poor had some like childhood side hustles right oh god I was worried I was like where is this going because I might not be able to go but no man I was making tons of money as a little kid I would go to family dollar with my best friend Gilbert Bryant and we would just pool our allowance and we bought the little fun size Reese's peanut butter cups for a dollar and then we sold them for 25 cents on the bus ride from our apartment complex to the school. And uh, we made tons of money. <laughs> like, and uh, we were just the candy guys in the school, man. And every day, like, if I got off the bus or didn't, you know, I wasn't doing business, I would walk home from uh, the gas station and I would go by the McDonald's in my, like, if you've ever been in one of those neighborhoods where like the black neighborhood and the white neighborhood are like two blocks away from each other and like the black neighborhood sucks and the white neighborhood is nice and it's like you just go across like some train tracks or something mm -hmm. so it was one of those neighborhoods and it was right on the edge um where we were living so it was kind of it was kind of ghetto but it wasn't like it was a little bit better than my early childhood but anyway yeah we would go and 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 I would walk through there and there was a McDonald's right on that corner of the black neighborhood and the white neighborhood in my town. And this is around Howell Mill Road if you're in ATL and you like know that like Howell Mill Road and the sewage plant and Battle Creek and the ghetto has kind of taken over that area now. But like back when I was a kid, it was like 50-50. But anyway, yeah, I would go by the McDonald's and I would get supersized fries because they were $1.49 and uh, just a big fucking thing of fries hot you guys these fucking new mcdonald's fries they didn't got shit on the fucking old school fries when they were fucking oh yeah they fries. were so much better i i don't they like were, to be nostalgic oh about too many things because a oh lot i know rose colored glasses and all that but that one is true mcdonald's fries have gone down in quality and that's yeah, just and they're fact. not they haven't gone down in quality as much as like burger king or kfc they're trying no it's like 85% as good, but the fries were a little bit softer. They were soft and yet crisp. Oh, God. They were soft and yet crisp. They were just the fucking most of the... And a super also, I will I will call this out because I am... I'm, this is a bizarre thing, I know, but I am a salt snob, okay? They were definitely using better salt back then. That's a good point. The salt, the salt in McDonald's fries was the shit from, like, science experiments. You would, like, lick the inside of the fucking carton. Like, <laughs> like you were, I, I remember being a little child, fucking dragging my tongue along the inside of the McDonald's carton. Like, April, like, you know McDonald's is, like, it tastes good sometimes, whatever. Yeah. But, like, yeah. you don't know that the McDonald's was, like, you have you ever heard the story about how Coca-Cola had cocaine in it? <laughs> like, <laughs> that, like literally, literally, McDonald's now, you have to understand that, like, 90s McDonald's, was literally like cocaine was fucking in it. It was fucking crazy. 
<laughs> and it was I do, cheap. I, I do have a little bit of a story in, in that, like, when I was a kid, my mom, and she's a, like a, a liberal coastie, so, I mean, what do you expect? Yeah. She never let me have any kind of fast food. Apparently, oh. when I was, like, in first grade, I threw up after eating McDonald's, and then that was it. That was the inciting incident, and I never had fast food ever again. Until mm. I moved out, and then... This is why you love world. Taco Bell. This I is do. why you this, love Taco this Bell. This explains a lot. This really explains a lot this explains so much like because taco bell is great but if so long if, if you are a person who hadn't been allowed to taste fast food so you don't have the bias towards like classic mcdonald's or classic burger king or classic kfc back when they were good i started eating fast food in like 2019 yeah so you have a totally objective palette it's not colored by like back when it was good and so of course <laughs> like taco bell it, it well i don't know if taco bell is your number one but i see why taco bell would be a strong contender <laughs> wait so brandon brandon hold on you did so, what did you do with the fries this was a hustle i fucking buy some two or three times a week and i just eat fucking supersized fries on my on the, on a walk back i'd get off the bus a little early and just walk with the supersized fries but no i just had too much money i just had money oh that was bullshit. just the that was the ballin from oh. the Reese's Grift. I get it. Yes. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Uh, okay. Grift, I was the rich yeah. kid in school for a little while, and also we started to hustle adults because we told them it was for charity. And oh. We told We told adults that it was to the for the March of Dimes. And you gotta realize it's all fucking working class black people that are a little tired. And it's also because remember it's on right on the edge, right? So it's also some white people that are just you know parking by on their way home, and they had tons of money, and they would just give you fucking money all the time. Yeah, it was fucking great. It was incredible. Yeah. Okay. I I I loved that one. I had a lot of hustles growing up because I didn't like being fucking broke all the time. I wanted to like buy things. I wanted to buy clothes. I wanted to buy candy. You know. I wanted to buy. I wanted to go eat out with my friends and all kinds of stuff like that. So from a young age, I was definitely doing a lot of stuff. And like some of the more mundane stuff was like I started tutoring really young because that's something that like child labor laws just don't seem to apply to. I don't know what that's about really but like I, I was like legally tutoring for the state at like the age of like 12 or Wait, 11 how much or money younger. were you how much money were you no had to even be it, i was even younger than that actually i'm Ooh. i had to be like 10 Ooh. and i'm making i'm making like something like 4 12 an hour i think is what it was which wasn't that great but also for a kid i went and did this for like you know six hours every weekend and then like you've got enough money to be balling for a 10 year old oh yeah right because like you know 30 bucks is like that for a week as a 10 year old you could just do whatever basically and yeah. uh yeah so like especially back then because things were a little cheaper not a ton but a little and um yeah so th like stuff like that like uh babysitting was another one that i got into young and uh me and my friend had a thing we would like tag team and do like the worst kids for the longest hours but just do it as a team so that we were hanging out and it wasn't like so awful and in fact it was often like pretty fun that was my plan for me and rara doing this runoff with wasoff and warnock <laughs> <laughs> just go, go go talk to the worst people in the state but we're doing it as a team and we can just get through it
having a buddy really helps. And so we would like literally like the, the people in town that could not get a babysitter because their kids were like ADHD little like maniacs just running around tearing hell. We would babysit those kids and we would be like, oh yeah, we'll do it for six hours, whatever. And like they would pay us just exorbitant for babysitting, especially like for our age. So like that was another pretty good one. I also had some, I had some weird side hustles as a kid too, where I used to live when I was like uh, in Ohio I lived there like from the age of like 7 to like 12, 13 roughly and um, everybody had pull chain light fixtures in their houses everywhere and um, I just came up with this very simple grift of I would make pull chains with glow in the dark beads on them because you couldn't find the shit in the dark and I would just sell them at like the church sales and shit like that and like that was a fucking let me tell you something that was like my best fucking childhood side hustle ever (laughs) I have a I have a really I have a positive just a really interesting point just about childhood if we had if we had been able to go back in time and educate ourselves like with what we know now as a child were you aware that you had some childhood privilege as a business person what what kind of privilege do you mean like like the ability to just walk up to someone and ask them for money like did you understand that you could do that as a child but uh, like as an adult it wouldn't be cute to do it not exactly well well how what was your interfacing with adults as a child what was that like for you then i wanted to be as professional and adult as possible when interacting with adults i was that kid you were you were like 11 and 12 at this age wait what age were you when you were doing this kind of stuff i started side hustling around nine or ten for sure yeah. because that's when i started buying video games and uh-huh. and i had to i had to i did get a little bit of allowance when my parents could afford it because you know they tried on you know various levels to do the best that they could and and even as poor as we were they were like hey if you do your chores you will get a, a small allowance it was very small but <laughs> It did exist. So I could save that up for things, but realistically, saving that up could take, like, all year for, like, one thing, you know? So, like, by the time I was, like, 9 or 10, I was starting to, like, do side hustles for sure. But I always approached it as just, like, I was that kid that was, like, everyone's, like, oh, what a, what a, what a old soul. Acts just yeah. like a grown-up already. No, because, I got, because, I got because, a lot because I'm of trying that. to act professional and make money off of you. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I got, I got, I got some of that, but I just like leaned into like, hey, I know I'm a kid and I can get away with stuff. But if someone, if I had had the knowledge that I had now, I would have just been a great fucking genius. You know, I would have just made way more money. I would have gotten into something higher dollar. It's just you don't, you don't even have that frame of reference as a child. Let me, if I had had the like knowledge that I have of business now, and this is not to be clear, like I want to be clear that this is not like meant to be advice for everyone necessarily, but specifically to me, me speaking to me, if I had the advice that I could give myself now, then I would have not gone to high school at all. And I would have owned a business by 18 that was like making money. Oh, absolutely. I I would have been, I would have been one of those kids that you like read about in Forbes. That's like a chef or whatever at like 18 and all, already successful in you would have been one of the teenagers Um, on shark tank yeah something like that maybe not as glamorous like i'm not trying to pump myself up too much but i would have had like i would have just had not like fucked off on all this school shit and just had a successful business by like 18 19 it's more interesting than like regular high school 
Oh, it would have been way more interesting on a lot of levels. High, high school's the pit. It's just the worst. It um, sucked, yeah. <laughs> it sucked, and I'm glad that I got out of it two years early. There were times when it was yeah. okay, and that was it. April, did you just think, were you just too smart for high school? <laughs> um, there is a program at the University of Washington that every year takes in 35 10th graders from around the U.S. to be hey, in college. Hey, like, like April. Like, there's no transition thing, yeah? April, your Twitter bio meets touching up. Educator. Genius. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, April. Wait, 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 wait. Baby genius. Educator, board certified <laughs> genius. Are we writing my Twitter like, bio, or is this like the bio on the book cover jacket? Maybe it may be both, but start with Twitter. That's true. See, let That's it scale true. up. Listen, let's talk about can this rise and grind be used for good? But because basically most people who, who adopt this mindset to work are weirdos, and they're irretrievable weirdos. Yeah, we're kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a tough thing in a lot of ways because obviously, like, bootstrap mentality can be so toxic. And the problems that we face ultimately are societal. And it, it is important to always keep that in mind and not lose sight of that. But realistically, like, we don't know how many of these problems we can solve in our lifetime. I truly believe that we can solve maybe a lot of them. But I don't know that we can solve everything. And I don't know that, like, for instance, let's say that, like, even if we get Medicare for all in my lifetime and we get a few things, I don't know that it necessarily I'm going to be able to have like a traditional retirement and I may have to like do some hustling to kind of come up with like an alternative to that if I want to like age in peace at all. What if we were just old and hustling? Just progressively more advanced hustles? I guess there are media figures that, that are still doing that. Never mind. <laughs> By the time we're 80, we're executing Wolf of Wall Street schemes. <laughs> yeah. The stock market doesn't even exist anymore. We're just doing the schemes. We're just We're doing just... schemes. Yeah. I do gotta say that the rise and grind mentality is inexorably intertwined with the capitalist individualism of the society that born it. And therefore, it's hard to say that it really could be useful because in a lot of this kind of organizing work and a lot of this change, it needs to be action that's collective but not to say that just you know we're building a hive mind or anything i think there is a there is some amount of that drive that can be harnessed but it needs to be synthesized with communitarian values and oh my god we're just repeating episode eight or episode nine yeah i know <laughs> no 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 i told you this is the sequel to episode seven but how many people who've listened to episode seven like remember how many people have anything? listened to yeah. episode seven yeah, yeah so, real, for real. And yeah, this is why this is why I'm not worried about it. The timeliness of the episode, because no matter what's happening with with Mitch, like th this issue still remains, right? Mm -hmm. So you agree? Yeah. You agree with April? I agree with April to a large extent. Like we have to communalize it. I do think it is somewhat useful, but it, it it is better if you communalize it. I will say though, also, I know so many people that give so much of themselves to like a shitty job, and like is rise and grind worse than that? No. 
I would argue that. Like, I, I would rather see people just in that full rise and grind. Yeah, delusionally, in the full delusional rise and grind mindset than in the, like, I am just a broken drone that will just grind out hours for someone else mindset. Because You, you like, know what? You know what? I disagree, and we disagree for some of, we, we have our disagreement for similar reasons. Because you're saying at least the rise and grind guy gets it about life. But what I say is, yeah, the problem is the rise and grind guy gets it about life and isn't helping their fellow man. Like, that's really bad. <laughs> like, yeah. um, so better, you know, can just depend on how we're, we're phrasing it, I suppose. But I also think if we're going to talk about, like, reaching a group of people that actually has time to organize, people that are just, like, Ooh, that's a great ground, ground down, do not, this is something we talk about all the time, people are just, and I know, listen, I've worked the kind of jobs that just grind you down. So I, I, I'm not just saying this, like, trying to talk about something that I don't know anything about. When you're just ground down by a job, you don't have time to organize or do anything, really. You know, when you're happy with your employment it makes a big difference and one of the easiest ways to be happy with your employment is to like rise and grind do it yourself kind of stuff yeah i mean you have a little bit more cohesion if that makes sense you have a little more self-control over what your destiny is going to be that self-control is really a crucial thing because like if you're self-employed you can just decide on any given day oh i'm going to that protest instead of working pretty much you know what i mean whereas like if you or at least it's a lot easier to make Make that that call whereas if you work in an office you can hardly ever make that decision right like you can arrange your whole life around organizing if you're self-employed and now obviously there's plenty of issues with just getting way too deep into that mentality and that's where the communal aspect has to come in like if people were rising and grinding together then like that's like commune status. And I know that a lot of people on Twitter right now still kind of poo-poo the commune idea a little bit. But as a strong proponent, I think that like that kind of stuff can be really powerful, very like strong anti-capitalist work. And that like it can enable people to completely change their life and get out of poverty. And again, if we don't know how many things we can accomplish, then shouldn't we at least try to accomplish some of that? Kennedy, what's really good about this episode and why this episode is going to be one of our most listened to episodes. This will, <laughs> this will definitely be a top 10 episode of the show. And I'll tell you why. Because if we blow up, people will look back at us talking about this episode <laughs> in the beginning of be 2021 when, when we were right semi well heard of. And part of that is because we are kind of doing that model where all of us are kind of working very hard communally towards a project that's really hard and maybe all of us couldn't do it by ourselves. And we're just going to see how it goes, right? I mean, hopefully it's like a project that the community can take ownership of because like, you know, it, this, this show isn't like our project exclusively. Like, I don't want to be one of those corny YouTube channels. It's like, this is your shit. Like, clearly, if you just look at the style of the, like, it's our, it's our show. But like, it also like a big chunk of it belongs to people who support it. Yeah. And they kind of have a, an ownership stake in what we do too. So this is yeah. kind of something that we offer to people. And it's like, hey, is this the kind of thing that you say you want all the time on Twitter? And so we've been making it <laughs> for like a year. <laughs> Where's the show made by organizers who are marginalized Where's the Folks. show about where's the show about the South? <laughs> and you know, it's so some resentment because like it's like you're a Taco Bell you're a Taco Bell flavor. Like they want like a more authentic taco experience. 
and it's just fucking tourism. Like even on the left. You know, maybe maybe it's a little bit our fault too, though. We should probably change our bio to something like the Southern Queer POC huh, Activist yeah, Podcast. God. Like we pro- we maybe. probably should. That's so cringy, but. Like southern, uh, southern fucking cringe. <laughs> the southern cringe. The southern cringe incel loser fucking yeah. rise and grind nerd podcast. Um, Please don't listen to our show. Please don't in, listen. In the bio. Please don't listen to this. If we were to put please don't listen to this in our bio, we now have enough clout that people would just listen to us more. We would yeah. just get more listeners, yeah. I think that would yeah. be good. I'm sure. We would say lots of people respect us on Twitter because they never listen to our show. And then we use <laughs> hashtag please don't listen. And we start every show with like, hey, welcome to Not Safe Wants. Remember, thanks for registering a hit on the show. But we really don't want to engage with you. Hashtag please don't listen. And, please uh, turn give us your key. audio device off right now. Off. Um, just run in the background. Thank Might you. we recommend and... some new Netflix shows that you could watch <laughs> instead of this? <laughs> And then we just pause for a little bit, and then we go, all right, if you insist, and then we just have our private conversation. And if we ever have a bad take, we say, we didn't even, we don't even want people to listen to the podcast. (laughs) We tell people We're just talking, we tell them not to even fucking bother with us. So if somebody listens at that point, what's their problem? They invited us. They they invited us in, and we said, no, you don't have to be here, you don't have to be. They actively chose. We're vampires, and they let us in. <laughs> April, it's the same way that you became Jewish. They became... <laughs> oh, my fucking God. I'm still not over that. I'm still, like, a little bit of an identity crisis about that. That is weird. It's yeah. a- Rachel was exactly the right person for that pod moment. It was great. <laughs> Yeah. So if I could just loop this all back around a little bit and try to bring things to maybe a slight conclusion, I would just say that I know that there are going to be people that say it's messed up to like try to get this comfort for yourself or just for the people around you or whatever. Or even if I was able to help a hundred people or I mean, we, you know, we raise money for rent relief. We've raised more money for rent relief than we've made money as a show. Yeah. Just want to point that out. The, oh, um, but, wow. But, that's a great Wow, that's a bar right there. Wow, that's good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's a good fucking bang. That's a banger tweet. Yeah, people should people should realize Woo! what's what's really going on here with the word. Let's get a little do, cocaine even, and read that one. But even all right. if all we did was start a ethical co-op business that wasn't like it was just we just baked bread or something and it wasn't anything particularly special maybe we give some bread away too and things like that but still and all we did was like employ 30 people in our community some people would say oh that's lib and all i I can say is that is that the people that you're talking about making weight that's real human suffering that's real human suffering yeah on like, the most micro level. It's 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 better to have people go out there and try to like alleviate their suffering and to like try to create socialist alternatives to enable that so that maybe people aren't just falling into like stupid ass rise and grind. I'm going to play the stock market with penny stocks until I fucking whatever type bullshit and instead like focused it on more communal positive efforts. But like, yeah, like people should be allowed to like try to take care of themselves in their communities if they're fucking struggling. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I don't know how good or bad that is. I mean, all I, I think part of it is just our business ethics. And we, we try to come with fair agreements where all of us have a stake and 
It's not like we're abusing each other out here. You know, some of them want to abuse you, want want to abuse you. Some of them want to be used by you. You know how it goes. Everybody's <laughs> looking for something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In the end, sweet dreams are made of these. You can't deny. Sweet dreams are made of these. <laughs> Who am I to disagree? Thanks for listening, everybody. Not safe for walks. You. Support us on Patreon. It's Patreon.com/slash/NotSafe. We've got a Discord. Uh, if you haven't ever been on our Discord and you just like, uh, like we literally just hang out there all the time. It's incredible value, um, and it's free. You can just hang out there. We, you can also go beyond the veil. We've got a secret place on our Discord where we just like consider that like the equivalent of a locked Twitter. Like you're like if you're giving us five dollars, you're just agreeing to keep it chill and we talk about just our real life and what's going on with us and it's a little more it's a little more real we also have a place for you to submit questions for the show like if we ever do an interview sometimes we pop in there and say hey you got a question ask it here and we ask it on the show also you can just submit like topics there which people occasionally do um which is always nice it doesn't happen a ton but every time it happens it's always like woo and we usually try to hit them at, at least like 75% of the time. Sometimes we can't get to it for whatever reason and, you know, but. Yeah. So, um, and if you're uh, a YouTube user, and most of you are, youtube.com slash notsafemedia. And we, we just want to have those subscribers and thumbs ups and all the other good stuff. And every, we're at a stage where every little subscriber, we go, yeah, cool. So uh, give us one and we'll appreciate it. And I think that's it. Yeah. I think this is a very good episode. I enjoyed doing this. Uh, we got shit to do. We got rising and grinding in that order. <laughs> rising grind socialists. Okay. <laughs> bye bye. See you around. <laughs>